Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to another episode of I Know It's Your Favorite Podcast, Uh, What They Never Told Us, just in case you forgot the name. Uh, Very proud of it. Today, Crystal and I are going to be talking about something that I think that most people don't want to acknowledge, but just based off the mental health perspective um, and what it can do for your sense of self and how to live a better life, I really do believe we need to talk about this because I think it just helps us have a better quality of life overall and that is getting older fun stuff um no it's really not uh here we go we're gonna before we do the actual topic of getting older um which does give me a lot of anxiety we're gonna talk about how we're doing so crystal how are you this is not sleeping well part of getting older or is that just a life thing um i'm just really tired like tired to the point where I don't really have many words for this check-in. I'm just tired. Like, I'm just trying to do what I gotta do. I get it. I, uh, I mean, I respect it. I get it. And yeah, so yes and yes to the questions you asked. You said, is not sleeping part of getting older? Yes. Or this just life thing? Yeah, because getting older is part of this life thing, right? My therapist once told me, and I was in my early 20s when she told me this, she said that for some reason, as we get older, our relationship with sleep kind of becomes a little more hostile because um, mm. it's true. Like the older you get, the less sleep you get. Right. But that's obviously because of like worries and things that are in your mind and realizations that like, oh, my God, I have to do this, this, this and that. And also it has to do this is me nerding out. Uh, it has to do with the fact that by the time we're in our late 20s, our brain fully develops and it understands um, like rational ideas. Remember when, okay, so when you're little, right? And not little, not like a teenager, you are just excited to get into a fast car. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, fucking slow down. We can die. Excuse me. There's consequences to this. So our brain actually develops to understand these things. So that's also part of it. So fun stuff we're going to be talking about today. My check-in is similar to getting older. I was about to say, (laughs) you didn't check it. (laughs) No, but it's it's all one and the same. Like, I was thinking about it, and I think I always say, like, oh, it's an accident that this matches. No, but, like, it was very relevant, and it's because I thought about getting older. Fuck, man, I can't wear heels anymore. And that's part of getting older. Mm. Because yesterday I went to a bridal shower, and I had, they weren't even tall. They were, like, those black heels, supposed to be comfortable. Yo, my back was like, fuck you. You're not 20 anymore. Uh, (laughs) I'm tired I'm physically and emotionally tired I will say with heels I'm definitely more like what is a reasonable heel that I can last in and what are the tips and tricks to last in them a little bit longer Um, but I will say also because of the pandemic transitioning back to wearing shoes was a challenge and heels 
was included. No, I'm so serious. I love it. When you spend most of the week in your house barefoot or in socks, like wearing shoes again, I was like, why, why do I oppress my feet in this way? That's what it felt like. But now I'm kind of uh, used to it again and used to the heels. So, I mean, yes, definitely your body does not react the same. Um, And I think like I say this in regards to getting older, like shit be hurting. Uh (laughs) That's like theme one of the episode, should be hurting. Should be hurting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But two, I think you you might also just need to get used to it. Because when was the last time you wore heels before this? The fact that you can't even remember says a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have a bad back, guys. I have scoliosis. I'm just just keep getting older and older, uh, but it's okay. So just really quickly before we get into the episode, this is something that I wanted to point out. Crystal and I are obviously talking about getting older through a woman's perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. men don't be wearing heels. So what I will say is that a lot of this episode is going to be from a woman's perspective, right? Just FYI, so that you're not here, you're not out here rolling your eyes at us. But I will try and speak to the, the man's perspective, as much as I can from what I've been told. Okay? That's it. That's my disclaimer for the episode. Yes, thank you. So, I mean, I guess for me, when we even introduced this topic, the question that I had is, when did I even start becoming conscious of the fact that I'm aging? Because it wasn't always a thing. And I think, like, when I was younger, it was always like, I want to be older, I want to be independent, I want to live on my own, like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And a lot of people were like, enjoy your youth, and like, don't say that, like, you say that now, because, you know, when you get older, and you start adulting, which, let me tell you, is kind of ghetto. Like, it, like, builds <laughs> responsibilities, um, if anyone's been on TikTok, <laughs> or seen the memes. Um, but I, I, I think, like, I was trying to reflect on this question a bit, and I think it, it varies, right? So defend, depending on how you identify gender-wise, which speaks to what Sasha was saying earlier, like if you identify as a man or a woman, right, like it might change. Also, culturally speaking, depending on where you grew up, um, like did you grow up in America, right, Because or another country? Because in America, I feel like getting older is not, celebrated like we live in a society that values youth because it's associated with beauty fun sexiness lack of responsibilities freedom Mm. hope in the future opportunities risk-taking and like so much more right whereas like aging or like being older is kind of associated with monotony lack of opportunities like aging bodies Mm -hmm. children responsibilities and not the fun kind uh settling down and I feel like you get forgotten like as you get older or at least I'll speak for women I feel like we do get forgotten and then there's ultimately all the way at the end of the spectrum death which is a collective we don't speak about in meaningful ways myself included so I think I will say like just to answer the original question I think I started thinking about getting older when I hit grad school because I Mm. felt like that was a time where my life was going to shift into adulthood so then like I think like what I'm supposed to be thinking about or planning for or concerned with was different from when I was in college when I was in high school and things like that 
It's so funny. Um, that was the first thought that came to my mind. Right? Like, when does this really become a thing? When I was little, I used to really be aware of the fact that I was going to die. So getting older was always a thing for me. I remember when I first recognized that I was going to die. Oh, my God. I fucking had a panic attack at five years old. And like, I, I remember I was watching a show like Hercules, the old Hercules show. And his friend turned to stone because he looked at Medusa. And like the minute that happened, I was like, oh, oh, my God, we're going to fucking die like like because he he just disappeared in my mind and then after that I was very conscious of getting older because I wanted more time like I was anxious to, to have more time I was anxious to not die I was anxious to have experiences I've always had a relationship with death in that way but it wasn't until my father got sick and I was 20 that the aging process actually started to sink into my my mind and my sense of self because I was so stressed out. I was running around, taking care of him, taking him to appointments. I was 20 years old. Just I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Like I was literally mm-hmm. pulling shit out of my fucking ass to help him out. And I was obviously my father and I'm dealing with grief, right? Like I, I really wasn't dealing with grief. Grief was there. So in like I had all this stress. I wasn't sleeping. I remember calling my best friend like, I'm getting old. I'm going to get gray hair. And a year after this, I'm going to have wrinkles because I had seen this documentary about what stress does to you. And stress does deteriorate mm-hmm. the collagen in your body. So I was like, I'm going to look ugly. I'm not going to be wanted. And this is speaking to exactly what you said, right? Because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to age horribly. Mm-hmm. And I remember in that moment, I was like, fuck. I don't want to get old. So I don't want to die, but now I don't want to get old either. Right. Yeah. And it's so um, funny that you mentioned aging because I, in terms of like getting old and collagen and all that stuff, because I think that that is what concerns me most about aging is my body. Throughout the course of your life, you're going to be forgotten just because of the sheer fact that you're a woman. And I think like aging goes into that because you lose like your, your beauty, or you lose a lot of the things that we value in society. I think like when it comes to thinking about children or like my future husband, that's where the most concern is. Because with having children, from very young, I heard messages about being on a time clock as far as children girls like, oh, like, the time, like, you know, like you don't have much time. Like there's only a finite amount of time where you can have children and they'll be healthy you don't want to be over 35 when you have children, or at least girl, when I was younger. I think now technology has advanced enough that you can have children when you get older, but still, like there's still so many risks and like your body goes through so much when you have children, when you get older, because it's just not primed to, to do it at that age. You know that women, when they're born, they have the amount of eggs they're going to have for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. that and that's the amount of eggs that, of possibilities that they can get pregnant and then it's it's on a slow decline after that like yeah what and the that's fuck? yeah and that's what i that's that's exactly what i was thinking of so you have less viable eggs the older that you get so the possibility of a pregnancy and a healthy pregnancy at that like significantly uh lowers And I think there's just something about youth and desirability, like being attractive is a big thing in this society, no matter who you are. Women who don't look a certain way feel invisible, young or old, right? Like in terms of like what aesthetically, Mm -hmm. like how you're supposed to look. 
And I know like now the thing is like at 25, women are already starting to use anti-aging products. Like shit, I'm part of that bandwagon too. Like I'm just like, I don't want wrinkles. I want to look youthful. Like I want to have clear, beautiful skin. I want to do what I can to maintain it. And I think like, even though I'm single, I think a lot about what my future husband will think about me when I'm 40, 50 and 60. Will he still find me attractive? Will I be traded in for a younger model? Right. What's going to happen to my body after I have children? Will it bounce back? Will I need a mommy makeover? Will I look the same? And I think like, like I don't even have a partner yet. And I'm already like beginning to yeah. to worry about these things. Or when I go out on dates, I'm like, is this person someone who's kind? Like obviously just because I want them to be kind, but just thinking about like, is this the kind of person that's so shallow that if I change or my body changes, that they're going to be like, oof, I don't. I don't want this anymore. Are they going to cheat on me? Ultimately, I'm worried about my body and and how society will not allow me to do the things that I want to do and find me to be someone of value. And I know that I shouldn't care, but I can't help but care because it takes a lot of mental energy to not care. Absolutely. So we glorify a certain aesthetic in this culture and that I'll a big piece of that has to do with looking young. And you you alluded to it, right? But I do think that young is sexy, young is it. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm going to defend the men a little bit because men go through this too. And I'm not saying that, oh, women, we need to stop our shit. No, I'm saying like, think about the flip side because it, they do experience it, but it manifests differently. But mm-hmm. men dye their grays, men lose hair. Like that's a real thing, right? Like there's a whole industry on helping men reduce hair loss or like, that like hair transplant stuff like fuck man like I I don't blame him and it's all genetics like it's like it's it's a lottery sometimes and it's stress and how it affects you think about the toys that men begin to use right like when I say the big boy toys right like the red convertible to kind of look Mm. a little more youthful or Viagra to help combat erectile dysfunction right because that's the thing of getting old and everything that we're talking about in this has a lot to do with hormones and how they shift in your body as you get older. Like, let's say women, once we hit menopause, we're fucked. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> and like, that's the, the decrease of, like, estrogen. And these are, like, the pretty hormones. And this is why we t- start taking supplements of, like, oh, let me supplement this. Let me do that. Sex drive. Oh, my God. It's not fun. Yeah. It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. I think I, I will say I didn't really think too much about men and what they go through um so I'm glad that you brought it up because I feel like I I think about celebrity culture a lot um and we think about like you know like J-Lo just turned 51 I think um and she I feel like like we all say like bitch is a vampire like what the fuck (laughs) kind of deal with the universe did you make bitch like I want to make that shit too because you look better now than you did like 20 years ago like what's what's going on and I was watching uh Red Table Talk and Jada Pinkett Smith and her mother like please black does not crack it stays intact baby like I'm like y'all look Jada looks better now at 50 than she did when she was 18 legit uh yes Yes, because I saw a she, picture. I was like, she was cute. Like, she's always been very beautiful. But I think, you know what it is? I think, like, her confidence glows. Like, I think that's that's what mm. it is. We'll, you know, we can talk about that. We'll get to that later, yeah. <laughs> 
what I'm trying to say with these women is that they've maintained a youthful like look. Whereas I feel like men, what they when they age, because we look at like Brad Pitt and a lot of these like older male actors, you could tell they've aged. Granted, they put them in a different category, more of a. I feel like a zaddy type of zone, you know what I'm saying? Like when people say zaddy, like it's not like this like youthful like 20 something year old or 30 something year old, but I feel like women are still like more understanding and I wish that um men were a bit more like that with us women. But maybe my perspective is a little limited. I don't think it's limited. I think it's just part of the culture that we're in, right? Because we're you know we're talking about aging and we're talking about aging within the general population. And we have yet to name somebody that we actually know. These are Mm. people who age with uh, money resources. Mm. They have cosmetic surgery to kind of keep the, the status quo of looking young. Right. And this is something we all look up to and we aspire to, but let's, I kind of want to bring it back to like the actual general population. Mm. Yo, it's hard because we don't have that money. We don't have, we, we, and then this is how the market's created, right? Like there's a huge, Botox is like a normal thing now. I, I know a couple of women who have gotten Botox and they're my age. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that just yet, right? But if I decide to do it later on, apparently I'm I'm late in the race, which is fucking crazy. Um, so obviously aging brings stress, uh, which is counterproductive because if you're stressed, you're going to age more. Like what are they doing they're doing something to us out here. I think this is like um, some manipulative shit that they're doing. Right. The beauty industry knows what they're doing. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Um, so speaking of the stress of aging, I really do feel like that's something that has been placed on us. And it has a lot to do with your culture, right? So if you start thinking about America and how individualistic we are versus other collectivist countries, and you think about independence versus interdependence and how it plays out within with our within our ideas of getting older, it's going to change our value system and how we see the process of aging. Um, and I really do believe that, at least in America, we completely reject anything and everything that comes with the feelings that come up of aging, um, which is why our industry is is geared around keeping us youthful and keeping us young. And it's like, we're in fucking denial. Like, if I had to diagnose us, we're in denial. We're, we're being avoidant. So I found this article and it was about Canada, but I thought that it was still kind of relevant to to even the U.S. Um, so it sh- the article shared up until the 1950s, most Canadians died in their homes. And most recently, death has moved to hospitals, hospices, long term care and other healthcare institutions. It mentioned that that shift has been profound in society because now fewer people witness death. So like the dying process has become less familiar to people because like back in the days, like you would die at home, like your your family would be gathered around you. Now it's kind of like you're in the hospital. Like I don't see it. I don't have to think about it. Now that we're less familiar, it's less in our face and it's more hidden. It becomes a little bit more frightening because we don't get as a society, as youth to be a part of it. Uh, to be part of the death process until it's time for to face our own immortality, right? The article did also mention something that I thought was interesting, which is literally like the first time I've ever heard of it. It mentioned this concept of compassionate communities approach, um, which came from obviously like palliative care and end of life planning. So there's like three, I guess, value systems within this. So like first is the focus on community. So rather than 
focusing on so much like medicine, like community to make the person feel comfortable um, during their last days. It brings death uh, back from like the hospitals into the public eye and back into the homes. Right. So like reversing that shift. And it, it wants to acknowledge that when one person dies, like the collective is affected. Right. And it offers space for like bereavement and grief to happen in as a collective in in community um the second piece is that it makes death a normal part of life um by connecting school children with hospices so kind of like bringing in that like intergenerational piece so they integrate children into end-of-life discussions into the workplace uh, provide bereavement supports or create opportunities for the expression of grief and mortality and it, it's in the hopes to demystify the dying process. And then the last is it acknowledges that there's diverse cultural contexts for responding to death. So, right, like every community, you know, like different groups have different, uh, you know, faith-based groups, community groups have different processes for um, how they approach uh, grief practices, right? So, like, I know for me, something when I moved um, into Inwood was like when people die, it's a very public thing. Like there's memorials outside um, of where that person lived and like they will gather in the street and like play music and pray and talk about that person. It's a very public, it's it's palpable, like um, the experience. Whereas when I grew up, you know, in Brooklyn, it wasn't necessarily something that was public, but I remember like in the Catholic community, uh, you would pray for like seven or nine days. I can't remember exactly because it was a it was a while ago. But you know, like everyone has their own process for grieving. Yes, I so it's so funny, right? Because I feel like they diagnosed something that was wrong and what they diagnosed was this the fact that they lost something. Uh, with regards to humanity, this their sense of mm. humanity, I and then they're like, oh, let's bring it back, and and I even cringe when I thought about the the kids going into a hospice, because me as someone who wants to protect children, that's heavy, right? And I'm like, no, oh my god, like how are they going to see somebody dying? Like it's, oh my god, being in a hospice is not fun. Uh, my father was in a hospice the last I think two months of his before he died. I can't stand hospitals anymore. Um, and it's it sucks, right? Like, it's it's hard. So, like, there was a piece of me that wanted to protect these kids. But then at the same time, I'm like, no. I think me, personally, the shock would have been reduced when I saw my father die if I would have understood these things as a child and it would have became more normative within our society. And I really do genuinely believe that because we are so desperately, like, trying to avoid death, this is why we are so scared of aging and this is why we have this industry that makes millions of dollars and acts like we're going to live forever. And it's trying to figure out how to live forever, to be quite honest. And it, and what it's doing to us is it's funny enough. It's creating more angst. It's creating more anxiety. And it's not helping anybody. Because I, I will say something like that. I, I And maybe I'm being mean. JLo looks great. Her work, the shit she's done. Don't tell me that she hasn't done work. Fuck out of here. I'll fight you. Because she has obviously done work. And so has Jada Pinkett Smith. That's why I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like that, right? Because I wonder how they would look without it, right? Mm -hmm. I can't give them full credit. But there's something so weird <laughs> for me when I know I, see, I I hear, oh, they're 70. And then I see their face as if they look like 50 or 60. And it's like, no. 
<laughs> like it just <laughs> it feels so unnatural to me and and I think that's what I'm trying to get at. I think that our lack of respect for the process of life because this mm-hmm. is the process of life mm-hmm. is making us do unnatural things. No, I agree. And I think um you know, in regards to your comment about the children earlier, when I was in the 6th grade, my teacher, she was very big on like giving back, so um, I remember we, as sixth graders, had been paired with elementary school children and like a little like mentorship thing. But we had also gone to a nursing home and we were paired with an, you know, with with someone obviously who lived there and was older um, to kind of like build those relationships. And I think it, it was good. I remember the woman that I was paired with, she died in the middle of like, because when I was in sixth grade, 9-11 happened. Then my grandfather died. My uncle died. My sister was born and she passed. This this woman that I was paired with the nursing home died. And what I will say is I think like it does, I think it would do good to reintroduce it um, into community. I think what I was missing was an understanding of it. Because I think it was kind of like, here, this is natural. This is what happened integrate yourself with these people but I don't think that anyone ever really like sat down to explain it so I feel like for me like it was so jarring when I was like first introduced to death in such a like impactful way with all the people who died you know in 9-11 and all the people who died in my personal life I think that it's important to introduce kids but I think we also need to have conversations around it because I think kids will make their own understanding of it or in my case I dissociated to a point where I just, it never made sense to me what happened. It almost feels like those events weren't real. Um, and we just passed the anniversary of 9-11. And I remember I was obsessively, in a very unhealthy way, watching 9-11 documentaries because I was like, I want this to feel real. Like for, for it's been 20 years and I still haven't grasped the gravity of what happened. And I think it was because so many things happened in a short amount of time and death was associated with all of it. Some of it wasn't related to end of life stuff or like aging, but I think it is important to have those conversations as well. Absolutely. And the first thing that came to mind when you said that was, yeah, it is important to have these conversations with children, but guess what? That means that we, the adults, have to come to terms and accept mm. the fact that this is happening as well. Snaps. And that is what we are lacking in our society. And that is why children can't understand the full lesson, right? I, When you were talking, I was thinking about the nursing home in general, like the idea of a nursing home. Going back to this individualistic versus collectivist society, I know for a fact that a lot of cultures still look at Americans and say, how the hell do you put your parents like far mm-hmm. away, right? Like these are yep. the people who gave you life. And I, I granted, if you come from a good family and da, 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 you understand. Right. There's a lot of layers and, there, yeah. And even, and listen, even so, like there's just, uh, there's, there's a lot of respect for parents in, in our culture, right? Like look what I did for my dad and he, <sighs> he didn't deserve it. But I'm happy I did it, right? Because it like, it, it fed my values, um, and that's what I believe in. I believe in giving back. But we put them on an island and we make them go away because we don't want to deal with it. That's how much it, it just it, it disturbs us. Like, it's so obvious. 
the reality is that a lot of other cultures, they're very used to having parents live in the home. They're mm-hmm. very used to taking care of their parents. And here in America, it's, 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 it's very, it's kind of disturbing how like, and I also think it has to do with capitalism, which is why Canada is changing. Uh, but mm. it's, it's become this thing where like, oh no, just send them off so they're not an issue. But the reality is that you don't want to deal with your issues. Yeah, I think capitalism has made us a very individualistic society, but I don't know that America has any plans on doing anything about it, if that makes sense. I completely agree with you, because if you even think about the way we speak about older adults in our lives, it's we're also reject, rejecting them, right? Like, at least these are the things that came to mind, right? Like, um, people say, oh, they smell, they look weird, they act weird. Um, like there's this um, aversion to them. And even I have it, like, because these are things that were in my mind. And then you think about other cultures that they that speak about older people and, and the, the connotation that's linked with getting older. And a lot of, in some cultures, it's linked with um, wisdom, uh, expertise. Mm. Um, there's a there's more respect to to actually getting older. I feel as though like culturally, America has a lack of respect for actually being old. When there's so many things that we do gain that we're not acknowledging as a culture, therefore we just keep rejecting it, um, which inevitably makes us not address our feelings. And I I personally think that the feelings that we're talking about here is this grief. It's like this loss of different parts of your life that we don't want to look at. And all we do is look at how we can sustain what we once had, as opposed to deal with the loss and then see what it is that you do have. Yeah, I think like when you were speaking, what it made me think about is the fact that when, at least in America, when people get older, because I'm thinking about my grandfather and my grandmother who are sick. I think, like, they need a lot of care. I think because we live in an individualistic society, that care tends to fall to one individual or one smaller nuclear family as opposed to the community. Because I know with my grandparents from, like, my maternal grandparents, like, it was always, like, who's going to do this? Who's going to go to the hospital? Who's going to cook for so-and-so? And everyone they're living their own lives. They don't want to do it. And I think like a lot of times when we think about older people, we think about like taking care of them. And I think it feels burdensome too. And I think like people want to just ignore that and, and, you know, pass that off to someone else so that they can continue to enjoy their, Mm. their lives. And I think like there is a disregard, like you said, about the wisdom that they bring. The, the way that we've moved as a society, like when we no longer have community for ourselves, like even in our youth, and then we don't have community to take care of our elderly, they become a burden. Like, so now, yeah, they, they're smelly or we have that connotation because no one's taking the time to like shower and care for this person and like make them look and feel good. Right. Or they may not be able to go to the bathroom on their own. Right. To what you said, it kind of reminds us of where we're where we're headed, and no one, like no one, wants to think I'm gonna get old and no one's gonna want to take care of me. So let me kind of just ignore that and live my life and focus on youth and and ignore this piece because what's gonna happen to me on an emotional level if I think about that? And I and I will say like I I think about it too. Like I'm like, like I like I don't you know like will my husband take care of me? Like, who's going to take care of me when, when I get older? And it's, 
it's daunting in a way. Um, and then I think like, yeah, then there's the, the grief and the death piece as well. And it's so weird, right? Because we run away from the grief and the death piece. And my best friend works at a hospital and she sees this all the time. We do anything to keep our elderly alive once they're very, or like even just not necessarily just the elderly, but we do anything to keep these people alive. So it's interesting to me because some cultures allow for, because depending on what they feel getting old looks like, right? They Some cultures do feel like getting old is burdensome. Like I know that the, um, the Inuits, and I don't know why I remember this, they were the Alaskan natives. They would send their dead off on like to float and just kind of be alone because they were nomads and they knew that they were holding them back, right? So everybody just, this was a part of their process. But we don't even allow for that choice here in America. There's only two states that allow for euthanasia, right? There are other countries that allow for voluntary death because Mm. they don't want to be burdensome. But so we shun them. We shun our own people. And then at the same time, once they're sick and they're dying, we do everything to keep them alive. Like the hospital system will run all these tests unnecessarily on an on even an elderly person that they know is going to die instead of allowing them to just kind of leave and not create more money for the doctors because that's what it is it's a system right so how do you create more money how do you have a a better list of uh like you know like when doctors have um a record they have a track record of who they who they've kept alive and how many deaths they deaths mm. they've had on their 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 shift and stuff like that like this becomes a thing and it's like so there's no respect for the actual process the humanity of it gets completely lost um and it does make me think about how our 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 society it's almost like i think we're losing our values it's not necessarily that we're just scared it's it's like we're honing in on the wrong thing if that makes sense Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? Oh, you mentioned about the hospitals trying to make money. And I remember my ex, he was a paramedic and they got a call. He got a call. Him and his partner got a call to an elderly woman's house because she was, um, I forget what she was experiencing, but she was sick and she actually had a do not do not resuscitate or like don't like a an order not to bring her back to life so that she could just they, her family and her and and the woman herself wanted to just die peacefully in the home but i think like they the woman had a new um like home health aid and she didn't know that so like when she when the woman was experiencing issues she obviously called 911 that's part of her job and i remember they took the older woman to the hospital and they you know, like did what they need to do to keep her alive because no one was able to bring the the actual document that says like, do not resuscitate, like just let her like you know, pass. Um, so ethically speaking, like I remember my ex was very conflicted because he got in, he not in trouble, like in trouble, trouble, but like it was a conversation that they had with um, his supervisor because the family was very upset. They had even, that had even done that, but he, but my ex was like, ethically speaking, I did the right thing. They were not able to produce the documents to say, do not resuscitate this woman. It is my job to keep this person alive. Like, unless you can prove that this is the case, because fa- I don't know why the family couldn't find the documents. But um, I was going to say it's an ethical thing, but I think you might be right about, <laughs> about the fact that it, it is a, a financial thing as well. 
well, it's somebody else's ethic, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you really think about it, like these places. So I never really speak about this, but my father didn't. Technically, my father died because he had lung cancer. But you know how my father died? He had so much morphine dripping into his system that his heart rate hit a point where it just stopped beating because of pain management. When honestly, and, and I know this for a fact, my father for the pro- would have opted in for the process of euthanasia. He wanted it so bad. He, he kept asking if, if we could figure out how to like file paperwork and go to Oregon. And I forgot what other state has it. But I, I remember he was just, and we were like, we can't do anything. You don't have papers. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it was just a fact. But like, and then somebody's getting paid for putting in that drip, right? Um, so you just think about how fucked up we approach this idea of getting older, getting sick, dying. And I, I really do feel that we're doing something very, very wrong. Um, I have some ideas on how it could be better, but who, I'm just a little old nobody. Oh, no, no, no. Let's not say that. <laughs> You're a little old Sasha. Uh, well, no. Well, there well, you go. <laughs> But I, I also will say, like, on the, it's while we're still on the topic of, like, death or end of life, I think, like, I only have, well, so far, maybe after this episode, I might have more, but <laughs> I only have two, like, very concrete fears um, about dying, and it's suffering before I die, because I think, like, as you were talking about your father and how he had that morphine drip, and it was for pain management, um, I'm kind of, like, uh, I'm glad that they were trying to reduce the pain, but clearly it was causing more pain. So then, you know, what's the direction to go in? Obviously, I I wish your father would have had the opportunity to go in the way that felt most fit for him. Um, and I think the other thing is just not living a life well lived. Like if I, knock on wood, if I died today, I would be so mad. Like... <laughs> because I feel like I didn't like I haven't lived yet and I haven't like I haven't lived a full life yet I haven't reached my fullest potential I haven't loved in in ways that feel meaningful to me I haven't had kids I haven't summered on the cape which is like on my bucket list um I haven't found my my inner peace and I I feel like I don't want to die without having impacted the world um like I've I, there's a fear for me, like, if I die today, will anyone miss me? Will anyone have cared enough about me for them to care about the fact that I've exited this world, I guess? And maybe that's selfish, <laughs> but I, I, that's how I feel. I think that's that's the one oh. thing. Like, I want to make sure I leave an impact, that I'm significant, that I was loved, that I lived a life well lived. And I kind of don't want to feel like I'm suffering towards the end of my life. So I think, like, you know, your father was maybe onto something with, like, just just let me go. Like, let me not do this shit anymore. He was in fucking pain, right? And I... I know that I've I've experienced pain in different ways, uh, emotionally and physically, where I'm like, yo, if this is something that's consistent, I think I'd want to go too. Um, and I and I can't blame anybody for doing that. And it's not selfish, right? Um, but going back to what you said, yes, people would miss you. First of all, I would miss you. And it's not selfish, actually. I love that you have these questions and these concerns because I, that lack, whatever it is that we're missing, it's because I think that we're not asking these questions. We're not thinking about our end of life. And if you're if, if you're asking these questions and these are at the forefront of your mind, it shows me that you're thinking about your process 
and what you mean within regards to your external world, which is why I love existential uh, psychology. Um, and that's how I practice. That's exactly how I practice because within existential psychotherapy, there are certain givens in our life, right? That's freedom and associated responsibility with freedom. We all know I love responsibility. That's death. <laughs> that's isolation and meaning, meaninglessness, right? And until, and the, these are givens because we are born and then we die. And there's nothing that any of us can do to escape this. And that's why we have anxiety and that's why we have all these things that we try to avoid or we're in denial of. And until you start addressing these things head on the way you listed, you're not going to reduce any kind of uh, mental health symptom that is uh, interrupting your everyday life because it's coming up because you're not addressing the other things. Mm -hmm. And this is why I, I love the existential approach because everybody goes through it. And if th these are conversations we all need to start having, it normalizes your human experience. And what it does is it actually helps you start questioning how you want to be a better person. Cause that's what I heard when you were talking, right? Because mm -hmm. when you don't think about these things, you're not necessarily trying to make yourself better what you're doing in avoiding the things that make you uncomfortable, you start hurting other people mm -hmm. without recognizing that you're doing it because you have a whole bag of shit that you're like literally dragging. And then you're just like fucking bumping people out of your way and hurting them in the process without recognizing. I saw a tweet uh, that said that, you know, shout out to all people, all the people who are doing the, like the real hard work of like, and mm -hmm. you know, like looking at themselves and making the necessary changes because it is rough. It feels really shitty to, to go through and ask yourself these questions, whether it's about death and dying or any other, you know, traumas, anything else that you've experienced. But I feel like I, I want to emphasize that it does suck in the moment, but it feels so much lighter and so much better on the other end. Like, it's worth going through that. It's worth experiencing the pain. It's worth facing these very challenging experiences again or asking yourself these difficult questions because it's it's infinitely better on the other end. And I think we need gratification and we need it right now. And it makes it hard for us to begin to sit with these very difficult emotions or questions um, in a meaningful way. Absolutely. And like, if you really think about the process of life and like this idea of aging and uh, the flip side of what we don't see about death, right? Like the good things. Um, mm hmm and because we're forgetting the, about the good things about getting older, we're not recognizing what you're talking about. The honor and the pride of fucking doing hard work, right? Like, and if that became normalized, everybody would just kind of be like, yeah, it, it, would, be, it would be like a badge of honor, right? Like when mm. you're in school and you get an A and you're like, look what I did, mom. Look what I did, dad. Look where I've hit. Like, look, look, look at the level I've hit in my understanding of life. And like, oh, I understood this concept. And now it makes sense to me. To me, that's like utopia, right? Where everybody's functioning that way. Because there's so much fucking pride in it. When you, f when you feel alone in addressing these issues, it just feels burdensome. And you're less mm -hmm. likely to do the work. Um, and I really do believe that this is why Crystal and I talk about these things so openly. Because... Trust me, you are not the only one if these things are going through your head. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like as I get older, I do look forward to wisdom because, like, bitch, yes. like, I'm going to know Fine shit. Wine. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, you know, look forward to understanding myself, being grounded in who I am. Because let me tell you, people as they age, they start to not give a fuck. And I oh can't wait to not give a fuck. <laughs> Yo, I put that shit in bold ass letters. You like, don't give not a give fuck. a fuck. <laughs> um, I look forward to finding stability, like financial, emotional. Uh, like just like coming into my own, owning who I am. When I when I hear folks who are older, uh, that have done the work, um, they're just, they're just so confident in who they are, and I think like even the challenging things that they went through as like younger folks, it it doesn't phase them anymore. Like it, mm-hmm. you, they just they just find this inner peace, and I'm like, I want that. <laughs> yeah, it's it makes me think of that. You know that. It's not necessarily one specific saying, but I've heard it a lot. Like, oh, if I wish I would have known what I know now at like 20, 25, mm-hmm. wherever age it was. Right. It's because the youth really is wasted on the youth. Um, yes. I yes. Youth is wasted on the young. I think. Oh, there the we go. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes. And that's the irony of life. And once you start kind of recognizing that and you start seeing what you're gaining as you get older, because you didn't know shit when you were younger. I don't want to be 20 again promise you i don't <laughs> i don't like I not, not if i was living the same 20s that i was uh-uh. yeah but it's impossible to kind of have one with you know and i feel like we're trying to do that like let's embrace the good thing so like yeah you have experience therefore you're more mature you're more wise you can you have better decision making skills i'd be looking at some 20 year olds and i'm like i know i didn't do that but i'm like mm, maybe i'm just you know, it's just like a revisionist history kind of thing. Like, <laughs> no, I, I may have the, I've done stupid shit. Um, but also what I like about getting older is that, and that wisdom is that you're more settled in your values and your belief of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're immovable. Like people could say, and this goes back to the don't give a fuck, right? People can try and persuade you one way or another. But if it's not a sound argument and it sounds like they're fucking stupid, it's like, well, you keep it moving and you don't even allow them into your space, right? Um, yo, I'm so looking forward to that, that where I just kind of feel like this is what I believe. I'm only going to talk to smart people because I'm old enough to know who the fuck is smart in the room. And I, that's it. That's my, that's my bottom line. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to hear any other, any other kind of like argument for a different way. There was a saying that I heard a long time ago. I don't remember the exact saying itself. But the sentiment was that, like, no matter how old you are, you will always be the ages that you were leading up to however old you are now. So, like, at 31 years old, I'll always be 1, 5, 12, 16, 23. Um, Like, all of those ages and stages still live within me um, because they got me to where I am. So, like, you shouldn't try to lose any of those parts of yourself because they make up the entirety of who you are. So... Mm. That doesn't mean act like a two-year-old at work throwing a tantrum when your boss <laughs> says something that you don't like, as tempting as it may be. But it, it's it's more so like when you're a teenager, you have so much hope for the future. You have this sense of adventure for life. Like when you're two, you like want to explore things and you have this like wonder for the world. And and I think like we shouldn't shouldn't lose that as we we get older. You know, when I think about when you get older and you embrace all of these 
aspects of who you are. I think you embrace all of those things. Like I was watching a, a TikTok of a girl who was, you know, doing one of those TikTok dances and she was like in Rome or something like that. And this like uh, older man and wife, um, the wife was like telling her husband, get in the video, get in the video. And then at the end of the video, you just see the old man like dancing in the background of her video. And it was just the cutest thing. And I'm just like, yes, that's like his five-year-old self, like just shining through and, and, and enjoying life and being who he is. Um, so I wanted to say that um, for all of us, like, don't, uh, don't lose all of those like pieces of you and like embrace all of that. I love that you said that because I think that getting older has this connotation that you're just going to be like angry and grumpy and mm -hmm. life isn't life anymore. And the reality is that no one can fucking tell you how you should or shouldn't live your life. And if you're getting old the right way, again, you don't give a fuck and you're not allowing that to kind of move you one way or another. You're just going to do whatever you want and, how you, and be whatever it is that you want to be to have fun because life is meant to, to be lived in. It, it's meant to, to have, we're meant to have fun. That's it. And, and I think that our fears and every, and our avoidance and our denial take away from that. No, I, I agree. And I just wanted to mention one last story, um, just to, to remind people that, you know, like you can do things at whatever age. I did also see a tweet about a mom who turned 41 and had just finished her PhD at the time. And she learned how to skateboard and she's turning 50 next month. And she says that this past decade of her life has been the most fun that she's ever had. Like she's a mom has gotten her PhD and learning to skateboard and she was at the skate park and she was doing her little tricks and it was like super cute and it was the most fun decade of her life and I don't feel like we ever think about like 40 years old like you know like 40 to 50 being a fun decade because we think about like all of the responsibilities but I, I say that um to just really drive the point home of further of like don't lose your youth and still do what you can when you can and don't uh take it for granted also Last weekend, I had someone try to teach me how to skateboard, and it actually is really fun. It's definitely scary, but I understand why she was like, yeah, this is the best decade. It was really fun. What I'm hearing is that we can keep our youth, but there, mm -hmm. there's a sp we have to observe all angles before we, before we actually choose how we're going to approach that. Because right now, it just kind of feels like we're doing it in a very a very linear, okay, let's move forward. Let's just go with this this route. And I don't think it's working. And the, what I'm talking mm -hmm. about is that aesthetic piece, right? Like the way we're trying to preserve ourselves. Like, But there's so many different ways you can preserve your youth and you can enjoy and embrace getting older. All right, everyone. Well, that was our episode. I know that sometimes thinking about these things can be a little daunting, but... Um, you know, as we always say, do the work. <laughs> and I hope that it opened up a new perspective about aging and that you do begin to ask yourself these questions and think about aging um, in meaningful ways and what does um, your life mean and how do you want to live it as you get older. As always, uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Never Told Us Pod. And if you want to just shoot us a message, let us know what you thought, uh, share your own experiences with us, make sure to email us at nevertoldthispod at gmail.com. And don't forget to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs>